welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back. This is Chris Lewis, and welcome to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. I am really excited to be able to be back with all of you today. Every day is a new day with our daughters, and we have to learn what that means for ourselves. Every father's experience is different, and that's why I try to bring you different perspectives of fatherhood, different fathers, to be able to bring their experiences to all of you, because it is important for you to be able to hear how different fathers father, because there's no one right way to parent. There's no one right way to be a father. Learning, watching, seeing, experiencing, listening, all of those things are going to help you in many different ways to be able to figure out for yourself what kind of father you want to be. Today, I am excited to be able to bring you a brand new guest to the podcast per se. We've had him on some of our webinars in the past in our Fathering Together communities. But Jeremy Rodruck is with us, and he is going to be talking to us about being a dad himself, but also about some of the things that he's doing to be able to help dads as well. Jeremy, thanks so much for being here today. Chris, thank you very much. I am excited to be here. This is a real treat and a real honor to be here. You you have such a great community and just amazing dads now literally growing all over the world. And I love it. And I love to tell people about it. So thank you. And I have to say thank you to you for being such an active participant in the community. It, it takes every type of father to make our community a strong one. But the engaged ones, the ones that are willing to help in many different ways are the ones that make, keep things going and, and keep things active and keep things engaged. And I have to, just have to say thank you for that. Now, I always start our interviews with some questions that really delve a little bit deeper into you as a dad. So first and foremost, I want to turn the clock back in time. I want you to go back to that first moment, that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. Talk to me about that reaction that you had. Well, my very first reaction, because we didn't actually find out Evie's gender until she showed up. So we didn't know boy, girl, squid. I don't know. We're just going to find out, roll with it. But we actually had, unfortunately, we did have a miscarriage before. So I remember the initial text message I got from Autumn and we were just dating and, and we were in a good place, but I don't know that we were all like that far forward yet. And I had been told by her and her doctors, like she can never have kids, da, 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 da. And so I got this text text message that says, I'm pregnant, period, you know, enter. I don't want to talk about it. Enter. And I remember I was at the martial arts school. It's the middle of the day. And I was like, oh my God. And I like got in the car and I drove like half an hour to go see her. And I know she doesn't want to talk about it. And I like walked into the store and she was like, I said, I don't want to talk about it. So that's fine. You don't have to talk. I'm just here. You're amazing. I'm so excited. And that was not the experience that she anticipated because I had already made peace with our life is going in a direction. We're probably going to have to foster or adopt kids. I'm okay with that. I'm open to that. It's amazing. And then to find out, oh, I'm going to be a dad, like for real, like seriously, my whole body was just like an explosion of like tingles. And like, like even right now I can feel it like starting from my stomach and just going north and south in my body. And it's just like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing. And then unfortunately we did have a miscarriage um, and we found some, some complications and some, there's some actual reasons for why it happened. And then we ended up getting pregnant again and we played it safe. I mean, we did everything we possibly could make sure she's in a good place. She developed what's called round ligament pain. So it like hurt for her to move sometimes. And we were like, maybe she's going to have to get bedridden. 
good. And, and, and we just, we made the agreement. Like I'm here. Like that first time when she told me and I showed up, I didn't manipulate. I didn't make her wrong. I, none of that. Like I'm here. I want this. I want this life with you. I'm in, let's go. And that has never stopped. And that's always been kind of our connection is whatever it happens, good, bad, or sideways. I have the confidence in myself and my confidence in her and my confidence in just the positive that's in the universe to say, you know what, we'll, we'll handle this. We'll make it through. And we have, and it's been seven and a half years and my daughter is six and she is amazing and she's still in a hurry. She has been since she showed up early. <laughs> that definitely happens. Now, you've had a lot of different experiences with your daughter throughout her years of life. What would you say has been one of the most memorable experiences that you've had thus far as a father to a daughter? I think out of all of the different things I could choose, the coolest, most memorable thing is that she doesn't have an expectation on life. And so Autumn and I get to like create that with her and we get to throw out phrases. So my daughter says things like cool beans or lately her word is puzzled. I'm puzzled or her pants are like the, the, the little um, extra little, like the tag in the pants. She's like, my pants are ailing me. And so we can give her like archaic words that she uses and they, she uses them contextually appropriate and they're awesome. And it's like, dude, that's the coolest stuff. And so being able to give her frames of reference to just be resilient and accepting and flexible and adaptable, like watching her grow into that space because of how we are with each other and how that flows into her is like the coolest freaking thing. And she's such a sponge. She sees everything, which is sometimes a challenge, but a lot of times is totally freaking awesome. And I love it. Yeah, that can be a challenge, especially if you say something, do something that then she sponges right back at you and you're like, oh, <laughs> I wish that that had not happened. And, you know, I think every father has those experiences where something gets thrown right back at you and you're like, oh. One of the hardest things about parenting is parenting the you out of your kids. Because you're like, oh, that was totally me. I'm sorry. And I'm apologizing to Autumn. I'm like, I'm sorry, honey. That That's my genetics. That's my attitude. I, I'll take ownership. That's on me. <laughs> now, as you think about raising a daughter in today's society, what would you say is your biggest fear? I don't have any for her or even the world. I just don't. I realize there are challenging circumstances and situations, and I am raising her to assert her boundaries and respect other people's boundaries and have the confidence to speak her peace. And if people don't hear her, then why are they in your life? And they shouldn't be, and they, they need to do things different. So helping her to be proactive, assertive, create her own emotional safety. She doesn't need. She can want. That's fantastic. But the minute she starts getting to that place of need, we take that sideways and go, hold on a second. What, what's really going on? Are you tired? Are you hungry? Do you have to go potty? Like, what do you need? You know, she's losing her mind because she has to get off the phone. Well, hold on a second. You've already had like X amount of time of screen time. Should you let the phone control your life or can you control your life? That's currently at six. That's our conversation with her right now is about starting to help her self-regulate. So I'm not afraid for the world ahead of her because I know she has me in it and I know that she's going to show up too. And that's how we create a new standard is by engaging the world and all of the uncomfortable stuff. So nah, I'm not afraid. Now, as you are thinking about the experiences that you've had, the time that you've had with your daughter thus far, what would you say has been the hardest part in raising a daughter. Getting things started. She was in a hurry. So she decided to show up 14 weeks and one day early. So she was 25 weeks, six days. She weighed one pound, 1 1.8 ounces. So 505 grams for those metrics. 
And they were wheeling her down the hallway and it's like, she's crying as they're taking her down and the nurses are all looking at her and me and around because babies that young cannot cry. I was like, well, she doesn't speak English yet. So she doesn't know that. And she has yet to slow down. I mean, she was in the NICU for 13 weeks, two days. She extubated herself. They had a breathing tube. They had a feeding tube. And she just yanked that stuff out. And they're like, "Uh uh-oh, we got to like tie her hands because we can't let that happen again. She's opinionated and she is stubborn and she is observant and she is strong-willed and all these great, wonderful qualities that Autumn and I do not want to break. We want to guide. And so we had to come to terms. When she first showed up, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if she's going to make it out. And we can tell that story, right? And we did for the first couple of days. And we just spun ourselves into the dirt. Because what if we don't get this? What if we don't get that? Birthday, Christmas, school, walking, talking. Like we don't know what our neurofunction is going to be, her physiology. We had two moments where one specifically, they said don't make plans to bring her home because her intestines were slowing down and maybe she's got intestinal necrotitis. So her intestines are dying. Nope. They're just slightly twisted, but they go really freaking slow. They still go slow, but it was just, we had to make the decision. You know what? I'm not going to focus in the future. I'm going to focus now and look where we started. She's doubled her body weight. Holy crap. She's two pounds. That's amazing. Or she's made it a month. And so we started focusing our mindset in a different direction. And we decided we made an agreement, a covenant, focus on what we, you know, control what we can control, influence what we can influence and let go of the rest. And when we did that and we agreed with each other to do that, it changed everything with her and with us. And we showed up for the doctors differently. We were just more calm. We were more centered. We were more present. And like that, that was a pivotal moment we had to decide because we could have spun ourselves up. We could have driven ourselves crazy and, and she never would have gotten the best from us. And even now we could still be in reaction. Oh, she has a thyroid issue. Oh, she's in the bottom 5% and we can make this great big story. Or Great things come in small packages. She's on the developmental milestones. Great. She's ahead of school. She's this, she's this. Let's focus on what she can do and what she does have and then stretch a little bit. And that makes our life and our love so much more fun, more proactive, more powerful. And she gets to see that in us. So she'll become more of that as she ages too. So we're excited and and it's fun. Well, Jeremy, uh, you have done a ton of things to be able to support fathers as well. And, and you know, you said at the beginning that you you appreciate the community that we have. And and I know that you are a you're an author, you're a kung fu master, you you know, you're founder of the parenting program, which is focused on helping dads to have strong marriages and to raise awesome kids. And you've been doing that for many years. Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today, first and foremost, is I know you wrote a book. In your book, it is called Your Best Child Ever is the Game Worth Winning. And first and foremost, before we get into all this other stuff, because you're balancing a ton of different things, but talk to me about what was that spark? What was that impetus? What was that thing in your head that that as an author, you say to yourself, I've got a story I need to tell. I have something that I need to say to be able to help fathers. And what was it that made you decide to write that book? The impetus for the book really was when I was a kid, my dad read a book called Games People Play. And this was written out of the transactional analysis movement, which is a school of psychology that isn't quite so popular anymore. But they they looked at transactional analysis and they looked at how people interact. And they said, well, there's the adult version and then there's a parent version and then there's a child version. And you will have communications going back and forth and manipulation and all these different games that get played. 
because of these different personalities. And if you're talking as an adult and the other person shows up as a child, they will behave certain ways. And if you're talking as a parent to that child, you will show up in different ways. And the goal of the theory was to get everyone being adult to adult, no manipulation, total honesty, openness, no manipulation. And that's great in theory. My problem growing up was I am an extrovert. However, I learned to become an introvert. I went through some very painful experiences as a a very young child, and it drove me into myself. And so I learned to hold back and I learned to, you know, context matters, everything. Don't be too much of this or not enough of that. My dad is and always has been a massive extrovert. It's not a bad thing, but sometimes he misses social cues and he'll walk in on people's conversations and say what he has to say and move on. Part of it is the engineer brain inside of him and it's just the way he's wired. But growing up as a very sensitive reactionary kid in a place of scarcity, I would do something stupid. And my dad would say, well, you should have done this. And then I would say, yeah, but there was extenuating circumstances and here's blah, blah, blah. And then he would say, well, then you should have done that. And then I would say, yeah, but there was this other extenuating circumstance and blah, blah, blah. And then he would say, you're playing the yes, but game. Come back and talk to me when you want to be serious. And then he would collapse the conversation. And for me, it got to the point as a kid, well, if you think you know what I'm doing and what I'm saying, then have fun talking to yourself. F you, I'm out. And I just, at 13, I quit the family energetically. Like I was there and I would grunt at them in the hallways and eat their food. But emotionally, I just wasn't there anymore because I constantly felt judged. And as I've aged and matured, I realized my dad had a tool set and he had a personality to apply those tools that didn't leave me a lot of room to exist. And so years later, I read that book, Games People Play, after I'd written mine. And I realized this book is not bad, but all it does is label the dysfunction and it never really replaces it with a better game. And so for me, working with kids for decades... I see the kids, are, they're not manipulating. The kids just need energy. And if I can't motivate it in positive ways, I'll pull it out of you in negative ways. I'm two years old and standing next to you in the store, you don't care. You expect me to do that. Then I'm going to run away because I get more energy from the chase me game than I do from standing next to daddy game. So I flipped that script with my own daughter. We kept her on a leash also because I was on a leash, ran into traffic. But with her, it was like, are you standing right next to me? You're so awesome. High five. And then like 10 seconds later, well, I love how you're staying close and being careful. That's so smart. And so every 15, 20 seconds, we're rewarding her for being next to us. She doesn't want to run away and go hide because she's getting so much energy staying close. So I'm feeding the behavior I want instead of expecting the behavior and then punishing when I don't get it. So we just flip the game. Let me just feed the things I want I want to grow inside my daughter. Oh, this is really, really easy. When I tell her what I want to do and then she like goes and does it, it's like, dude, you're amazing. You're such a good listener. High five. Give her a high five. She's like, I won. And then she'll keep doing that and doing that and doing that. And so that's why I wrote the book is that realization all kids play games because we're all energy addicts. doesn't matter how old the kid is. My grandmother was 101 and a half when she passed away, still playing games. So let's leverage that. Let's align with that. And so I wrote Your Best Child Ever, Is This Game Worth Winning? Because it's how do you as a grown-up, as an adult, a teacher, a coach, how do you create games? You get to win. Your kids get to win. We both get to feel warm, big, and happy. We love each other. We like each other. We can drive forward. And if we can't, let's change the game. I love that concept about changing the game. I think that sometimes we do get into kind of a rut where you have a, a certain perception, a certain perspective of what that relationship should be. 
and you continue to push and push and push and push that specific ideal into not only your head, but into the head of your child. And if they're not following that same ideal, if they're challenging that ideal, that's where friction starts to pop up. Absolutely. You can't push a rope, right? So once you start getting that resistance, that's information. Oh, I should change my approach. So I do it twice and I don't get the result. Great. Change your approach. You're not wrong. Your kids aren't wrong. It's just this may have worked yesterday. It may work tomorrow. It's not working right now. Fantastic. Do it different. That's all that means. If you choose it to be all that means, you can't be disrespected without you know your own permission. You can't disrespect me. You can't hurt my feelings unless I allow it. So then I allow my kids behave a certain way and go, oh, that's a request for more information, more guidance, more clarity, more feedback. Fantastic. And I have walked out of the store with my daughter upside down, holding her by her ankles while she's screaming her full head off because she was having a meltdown and she didn't get enough sleep and she didn't get enough to eat. And that's okay. I'm changing her state and changing because then she's like, now she's confused because I picked her up and I'm walking out and I'm laughing and all of a sudden she's confused and now she starts laughing. Of course, I'm holding the back of her head. There's a bunch of things to keep her safe. So there's no slippage, but it's just that massive shift in her physiology. All of a sudden the meltdown becomes less interesting than I'm upside down. This is weird. Now you've been able to flip that script. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of parents and that same type of situation, using that situation as an example, would go toward anger that they would get upset because their child is flipping out and, or they're, they're frustrated because their child's flipping out and they're not meeting that ideal for themselves. How do you get yourself and your mind out of that place so that you can be able to flip the script without dwelling on the negative or dwelling on the the preconceived notion of what should have happened? Yeah, well, the first thing is breathe because it gets you out of that fight or flight reactional mindset. So when you breathe, and especially for dads, you take your shoulders back and down, take the tension out of your neck and shoulders, like that, like it, you literally switch gears into rest and digest. So you're down gearing your mentality and your nervous system. And then the second thing is whenever I hear the word should, that's a rule. That's nice. That's BS. It's a belief system. It's all oh, this should happen. Why should it happen? Where could it, you know, whatever. So instead of living in the land of should, I'm very quick to get to the land of is. I was working with a student last night and I was holding a staff and there's two pieces of green tape and I'm telling her, look at the green tape. And then I, I realized she's looking at the wrong, the quote unquote wrong piece of green tape. I said, I didn't say you're looking at the wrong piece of tape. Look at the right piece of tape. I said, stop looking at the piece of tape closer to me and look at the piece of tape next to your elbow. Because my immediate default frame of reference is not right, wrong. My, f- my frame of reference is what's going on. Like when the kid gets hurt, you run up to them. What's wrong? Well, you're going to get an answer to that versus what happened. You're going to get a different answer. What happened is disassociated. It doesn't presuppose there's anything wrong or broken or damaged or askew. It's just what's going on. And then you can begin to unpack that because you're showing up in neutral gear. What's wrong? You're already ready to go fight something. And that's as dads, we are protectors first, providers second. We're in battle. There is somebody disrespecting me, somebody disrespecting my child. If they, if they, if they damage me, I can't provide for my family. I must protect myself. So now I'm going to battle. Even if it's a two-year-old who is holding on to a piece of candy in a store, that limbic system hijacked, the amygdala goes into overdrive. And now we're ready to fight this rage storm. It's like, dude, She's too. It's cool. It's just candy. Hey, babe, we're not going to play with that right now. I need you to put that down. That's not for now. 
We can maybe talk about that later. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she puts it down versus I put this big, huge explosion into it. And she's like, whoa, when I touched the candy, dad lost his mind. I know how to get energy. Yay. And now I've just wired her to run that pattern again because there's so much power in it for her. Fantastic. Do you like dancing at the string of a two-year-old? Because I don't. And so it's these awarenesses and these stories. And you realize, take a deep breath, soften. Because that protector first, in the middle of a battle, we don't stop to see if everyone went to the bathroom and does everyone have milk and cookies and are they comfortable? We don't care about you enjoying the process. We got to go slay the bad guy and whoever's left, we'll make sure you're okay afterwards. And so as, as men, masculine men, we have to understand that, dude, it's okay to have the sword and shield out, but make sure you're protecting your family first versus showing up to kill things first metaphorically killing things, of course. Of course. Now, I know that you're also the founder of the Parenting Program. This is something that, that you have developed. And why don't you tell me a little bit about that and what people will find if they um, wanted to just take part in the Parenting Program? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So the Parenting Program really is just my life's work. No big deal. Just everything I've done for my entire existence since I was like nine years old and quit smoking and started going, why is the world the way that it is? And so the idea of the parenting program, really, it, it's a framework for two major categories. We call games worth playing and stories worth telling because the story is the justification and the game is the behavior and they link into each other, right? As a human being, the fact you were born, you won the first race. You were a born winner. Like 400 trillion possible genetic conversation, uh, conversations, arrangements, and yet here you are, this unique person in the dawn of our species from the beginning of time to the end of creation. There's only one you and ever will be. No pressure. So starting from that frame, you've won the first game. You have to learn to become a loser. You have to learn you're too much or you're not enough. Everyone around you has to stack stuff into you through stories to try and control you, to guide you, to limit you, to whatever you. I don't know. But in your life, if there's friction, if there's pain, if there's wounds, if there's struggle, cool. That means the game you're playing isn't getting you where you want to go. Fantastic. Great awareness, because now we can open new doors. And then we begin to look at the stories, and we begin to unpack that and shift it. And as the story changes, the games change. And we can remove literally generations of trauma and drama. We can just unplug it and drop it like clothes. Just take it off. You don't need it anymore. It got you here. Fantastic. Now leave it. Let's put on new stuff and move forward. And so that's really the framework of the parenting program. And the reason I came up with the idea of a program, I have yet to meet anyone who is broken in their head, their heart, their soul. Wounded, yes, I'll agree with that. But broken, no, you're just running bad code. If I have an amazing computer and I put in a program that makes no sense, the program breaks, not because there's anything wrong with the computer, the programming is faulty. There's a, there's a virus in there somewhere. So we just change the programming. So that parenting program, there is a way you can create in your own family, in your own life, stories worth telling, and you can start to play games worth winning. You light your kids up. You light your partner up. She, he lights you up. You light your kid. Win, win, win. Virtuous cycle. Everyone, we get to win. It's that easy. So that's really the, the goal of the parenting program. And I have you know courses, and I'm developing some things, and I've got trainings, and I do one-on-ones, and we're doing some live events, and I've got books, and it's amazing. And I'm just, I'm here to serve. And, uh, you know, same thing in the fathering community, the fathering together community is I, I'm here to serve. It's not about look at me. I'm so amazing. It's I've been through a bunch of dumb crap. Don't repeat my mistakes. Go make your own so I can learn from you. I'll show you where I screwed up so you can learn from me and we both win. We're all on a journey to one day at a time to be able to figure it out as we go along, right? Because 
none of us know exactly what we're doing when we become fathers. If we have good influence, if we have good mentors along the way, then that helps. But we're still going to have to forge our own path to be able to figure out what that means for ourselves. And definitely having resources like the parenting program, fathering together's communities, um, and and other resources that are out there. You have to surround yourself with the the people the um, that will help you to be able to be better, to be better off, to be better um, individuals, and to be able to learn from others along the way too, and not feel like you have to go it alone. So that that sounds amazing. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five questions to delve even deeper into you as a father. Are you ready? I'm on. Bring it. In one word. What is fatherhood? Playfulness. If I was to ask your daughter, how would she describe you as a dad? She would say fun right now. Now, when was a time that you finally felt that you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? I don't think it's an end state. I think it's a constant growth. I think succeeding and she's polite. She's thoughtful. She's kind. She's compassionate. Autumn and I were having an argument about something and Evie comes over and puts a hand on one of us and says, okay, take a deep breath. Now she's de-escalating us. I'm like, well, dang, kid. I pound it. High five. Like she's paying attention. Now who inspires you to be a better father? The families and the men that I serve and seeing the pain that they're in. And as they start to open up more, it just makes me want to drive further, farther, faster. And finally, what advice would you give to other dads? Gratitude is your massive, most amazing superpower because there are going to be days when you bang your head against a wall, metaphorically or literally, and you feel like you're just messing everything up and you don't know the impact you're making on your kids and the struggles you're having now. A lot of times those were a dream 5, 10, 15 years ago. And so when you're grateful for this moment, grateful for the opportunity to learn and improve and show up more powerful, show up more present in the lives of the people you love, you become Superman. You find a strength inside of you that you didn't have because you move to a place of abundance and you get out of reaction and you become more intentional. So gratitude, it's your biggest superpower and your biggest kryptonite is expectation. Expectation on you, expectation on the kids, that that flips you into judgment. And it just, it robs you of everything good inside you. Now, if people want to find out more about you, the programs that you offer, where can they go to get that information? The two best places are going to be theparentingprogram.com. That's my main site. And then honestly, find me on Facebook. I have a parenting group that I have. It's a small group, (laughs) nowhere near the scale or scope of Fathering Together. I'm not trying to compete there. It's more for people working with me. But we have some deeper conversations in there. And then... Yeah, I'm most active on Facebook. It's where you'll find me the best. Jeremy R. Dot, the Kung Fu Guy. There's only one me on the internet. Well, Jeremy, I really appreciate you being here and I wish you all the best. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity. You guys are doing amazing work and I continue to just be marveling at how you grow and expand. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. 
If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.